feel like I'm in cash cab and I need to call a friend. I'd like to have Benjamin Kwashi, Archbishop of Nigeria, Joss Diocese, please come. Is he available? <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> and, and okay, so let's just get this straight. I know you're watching uh, and you say, why are they not wearing masks? You know why we're not wearing masks? That's because we're in the same home. We've been in the same home since October. Okay, we're brothers. And so if he's sick, I'm sick. If I'm sick, he's sick. But we, we are together. So. I didn't bring any corona from Nigeria. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And Archbishop Ben, I want to give you permission not to be polite with us this morning. No, Bishop. <laughs> I'm used to being polite. <laughs> so we're going to spend a little time in Mark chapter 8, second Sunday in Lent. And we're going to try to do this together. So it's going to be fun. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We've been studying. In fact, this morning, Ben... I studied the term son of man. I read almost every time in the Bible. Do you know it's 93 times in the book of Ezekiel? And I'm still scratching my head, so that's why I'm glad you're here. So let's, let's get started here. Um, it says in Mark 8, if you guys are there in your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, or if you have an app on your phone, Mark chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 31. And kind of the, the title or subtitle of my Bible, which is not in the original Greek, it says Jesus foretells his death. He foretells his death and his resurrection. It says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and may be killed and after three days rise again. And so, Ben, I want you to help me out here. So my memory is not the best, but I want us to look at the Son of Man in just a second. But right now, I want us to see the four things that Jesus said. And I used a mnemonic device. Do you guys ever, did you ever study anatomy? You have to remember the 12 cranial nerves. Do you, do you remember the mnemonic? Odd old Oscar or something on Mount Olympus. You, you remember that? Yeah. So they're devices we can use to help us remember. So I got S-R-K-R. S-R-K-R. Go ahead and say it. S-R-K-R. You said about 10 times. S-R-K-R. 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 And so the Son of Man is going to be what, Ben? Help me out. What's S? He is going to suffer. Okay, that's S. What about R? He's going to be rejected. How about K? He's going to be killed. Yeah. What about the other R? He's going to rise again. Ooh. Well, this, this seems very counterintuitive to me. Mm. Now, who's the son of man first? So let's go to son of man. I'm confused. No, I think that the people he was talking to, when he says the son of man, they understand it immediately. They're Jews. This is common in Ezekiel. Use son of man is any created being by God, any human created by God. Mm. Now, Jesus is using that to identify with us, with anybody created by God. But he takes it into another level which is where we are going now. He brings Isaiah 53 to bear on the Son of Man. Now, they're shaking their heads. Son of Man is ordinary human being. Right. Isaiah 53 is Israel, the way they understand it. Right. This is a nation. It's not an individual. Jesus is saying the Son of Man is going to fulfill for not only Israel, but for the whole world the purpose of God in suffering, being rejected, being killed, but rise again that the world might be saved from her sin. So Son of Man is not just saying, like, we're fully human. Like, he's a high priest who can relate with us in every way, except he was tempted in every way, 
but he never sinned. They're not saying we're just simply human. Son of man here is more than that. It's the Son of Man, the unique Son of Man, who ironically did not come to sit on a throne and bring an army. What did he come for, Ben? He came so that I, Ben, who was an enemy of God, thoroughly identified by any form of sin, in sin was my mo- did my mother conceive me, and I'm living in sin, and I don't know how to get out of it. The Son of Man came to identify with me so that he's not alien to my life, except that he's without sin. For if he had sin, he can't save me. But he is without sin, so the Son of Man now makes me a son of God. Amen. You know, a drowning man can't help another drowning man. No, can never. No, can't help. Yeah. So the Son of Man had to be like us in every way except without sin. a beautiful, spotless, blameless lamb. Well, let's keep going, Ben. So we're in verse 32. Mm. It says, and I love this, and it says, and he, Jesus, said this plainly. Mm. There are times where Jesus speaks in parables so they can hear and not hear, mm. but this is not that time. No easy language, brother. He we got to suffer. He's bringing it straight. Straight, yeah. And sometimes we Americans, honestly, no kidding, we need our brothers in Africa to speak plainly to us. Because you know what? We can't see some things. Maybe y'all can't see some things as well, but we can't see some things, and we need you guys to speak the word of the Lord and truth to us. So let's go on. It says, and, and Jesus said these things plainly. Again, the Son of Man is going to what? S-R-K-R. Suffer, be rejected. He's going to be killed, and he's going to rise again. And, and so that's clear. Now what happens? Now it's like act two. Now comes Peter, good old Peter. Peter just confessed, oh, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Oh, Peter, I'm going to build my, my church on this faith that you're d- demonstrating. Isn't Peter great? <laughs> what does Peter do? I mean, but you look, let's identify with Peter for a moment. He, he's a Jew. Yeah. So his idea of the son of man is a conquering son of man. And not one who's going to be crucified. So he's kind of confused here. And there are many, many people in the world today who are confused about the identity and ministry and mission of Jesus Christ. So he now takes Jesus privately, I like the audacity of Peter, and says, that's not what we want. We want you not to die. We want you to save us. The which reality is, is very kind of people. Yeah, right? I mean, nice. the very Romans nice. are here. Yeah. We are colonized. We're, we're suffering. Yeah. How, if you die, then what happens to my fishing? I just left everything. I just left my home. I left everything. What happens to me? What's my future? It's reality. Many people think if we follow Jesus, what happens to me? They're looking back at where they're coming from and they're kind of saying, excuse me, Jesus. And so what does the Bible say that Peter does? There's a word they use. It's a very hard word. Very hard word. It says, Peter took him aside and rebuked him. This would be like a kindergartner rebuking the superintendent of schools. I mean, that's not even a good illustration. It pales. But wouldn't it be just crazy to see a little five-year-old rebuking the principal? And and how much more? Peter rebuking king of kings, lord of lords. But he didn't know. But also, but also, let's face it. Jesus was his teacher, right? Right. So he did this privately, but I like what he did. And I think that we have to face up to the Lord with our doubts. 
Yeah. We just have to. And say it plainly. Don't be rude. Mm. Well, you might be. <laughs> but just be honest. Yeah. Just be honest. God will take you for your honesty. Job was. Mm. And God did not condemn Job for taking God head on. So Jesus is not re- going to rebuke Peter because no. he brought his thoughts or his concerns or his worries. That's mm. not why he rebuked him. Those are real. Yeah, just like the psalmist would say, oh, God, why are you letting this happen? Mm. No, God, this is unfair. God has no problem with that. But God did have a problem with Peter. Why did, he, why did God, Jesus have a problem with Peter? The problem that he had with Peter is to, is to us now a blessing. Because Peter is not looking at the divine plan of God. He's not looking at the, the heavenly plan of God, the greater picture. He's looking at his concerns of men, of earth, mm. that will pass away. Because that's what Jesus said. He said to him, you do not have a mind of the things of God, but the things of men. Yes, yeah, he rebuked Peter. If only he could see the divine plan. He did see it yeah, shortly, but he didn't see it here. See, Americans, when we think of rebuke, we think rebuke is mean. We think rebuke is unkind. But, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. It said it's, be- it's better to have a rebuke from a brother. Mm. Right? It's actually kindness that somebody would rebuke you. And I love the way he did it privately. Some folks could learn from that, couldn't they, Bishop? They should do. I Amen. know. And you know, too. I know. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, it, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Is, mm. is, does he think Peter's Satan? No. No. He can see where Peter's coming from. He has a concern of men, and Satan wants to use him to delay his ministry, Jesus' ministry, or to help to make Jesus divert from the focus of going through suffering, because these are real things, through suffering, through being rejected, and we're going to be rejected through being killed, and then rise again. And sometimes I think in the West, this is where we are. We need some rebuke there. Can we back up just for a second? Yes, sir. You know I'm a little ADD here, but go with me. Go with me, Bishop. Go with me. So Peter takes the Lord aside and begins to rebuke him. And we can read that. We go, oh, isn't it bad Peter? Bad man. Bad man. But you know what? Peter's in heaven with the Lord. He's gone. So this word is not really aimed at Peter. This word, I want this word aimed at me. I want this word to cut me. And I have to ask the question, how do I do this like Peter? And I'm much more clever, Ben. I know, but the truth is that when you have it fairly comfortable, a little suffering is not welcome. One of the gifts that America has given to us in the world is the denial or trying to get away from suffering. I hate to suffer, man. No, no. Americans have blessed the world with that. So <laughs> there are medicines, there are medicines of all kinds to make sure that you don't suffer. And I'm enjoying some of it here. <laughs> I mean, I went through surgery and I came out praising the Lord. I, I didn't know how I was going to, I mean, I, my great friend here, Dr. Janad, he prayed me through sleep and prayed me wake up. So <laughs> when I woke up, I was just, and I said, is it over? Is it all over? That, that's one of the gifts of America. You know, you discover anything to do away with pain. But listen carefully, and I'm going to say this slowly. If you get away from pain, 
you can only get away from pain so far, but not from death. And if you want to see Jesus, you have no option but to accept the cross of Christ where suffering belongs. You don't have to personally suffer, but you suffer with those who suffer. You cry with those who cry. You see through their eyes of their needs so that you too can share in their suffering. And let me tell you something else. When you suffer with those who suffer, when your suffering comes, like Paul says, because we have been comforted, we are able to comfort others with the comfort from which we ourselves have been comforted. Don't run away unless if you don't have to suffer. And let me tell you the last thing. Suffering helps us to be humble. Have you ever seen a millionaire lie down there before the theater? What can he do? Money cannot buy life. Have you ever seen anybody, anybody, at the most vulnerable state of life? Folks, that's what Jesus is saying. We saw it yesterday, Ben. We had, we had a funeral for our friend Darlene Ratliff. She raised her grandchildren. She's a, she, was, she is a great woman, a great woman, full of life. Many of you know Darlene and Randy. She died unexpectedly, and she left not only her children, but her grandchildren that she raised and watching the 16-year-old girl, who's a beautiful girl, and a, a 13-year-old, they, they were so sad, weeping uncontrollably. Mm. And Ben, I don't know their exact pain, but just the loss we've had with a grandchild, loss we've had with our parents. Mm. Everybody's had loss. Y'all have had loss. But this whole group was here to comfort them with the comfort that we've received. And so our suffering actually was not in vain, but God used it for good. Well, let's pick back up with the text, Ben. So we yes. were in verse, oh, where do you want to go, 34? Go ahead, brother. Okay. <laughs> okay, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone, and I love that, if anyone, hmm. Jesus said anyone, red and yellow, black and white. Anyone. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. Anyone. Tall people, short people. All of us. Right. Anyone. People in Afghanistan, Syria, and Iraq. Anyone. Anyone. It says, if anyone would come after me, what? If anyone would come after me, what, Ben? Let he him. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny, deny, deny. Again, Ben, we, we like our comforts. We don't like pain. And the word, word deny, when we were studying it this week, it sounds like a diet. When you hear the word diet, don't you think deprivation? I do. That's why I never do it. And I asked Ben, I said, Ben, so the Lord wants us to not deny ourselves. Does that mean I have to go around like a monk wearing burlap, eating like bone broth, and just being miserable and singing spiritual songs? <laughs> what does he mean, deny myself? I'll tell you a story before I answer your question. First is that there is a history in Sierra Leone in a city, in a town, now city, called Bathurst. And this is 1827, there around. The colonials had set up that place so that... Those who were enslaved and now freed can come there uh, and build their, a life of their own. And they did. 
But it was not up to a year when the town became lascivious. The, 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 the immorality. The, so the colonials were defeated. They, were, they, they moved out of the city because it was just unruly. These are mm. ex-slaves. They were having sex. They were, it was just unruly. So they moved out. Mm. Charles Hansel, a missionary, CMS missionary, Church Mission Society, Anglican, mm. came with freed slaves from his own boat and they entered that town. It wasn't two years, revival broke loose. Today in Bathurst is a university, a thriving city with morality, with police, and it's one of the best cities in Sierra Leone. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the heart of any development. The development millennial goals are wonderful, but they won't do it. Only the gospel can. So what am I saying? Jesus has it right. If we're to deny ourselves, first begins with the gospel. And people who deny themselves are the people who are able to cause a revolution on earth. They are the people who are able to cause a revival on earth. They deny themselves so that the other person might be blessed. Your grandparents did it in Africa, sir. They entered boats and traveled for months. They denied, they could have stayed here. Nobody forced them. Nobody pushed them. But they know that unless they deny themselves, I wouldn't be standing here to talk. So what you're talking is something much greater than not dancing or chewing or whatever, no. whatever. No. Denying, so is it like humbly submitting our will to his will? Yes, sir. Because if you know the Lord and you know what Jesus has done for you, knowing how much Jesus denied himself for you, your life is in the hands of Jesus and you fear nothing more if you're going to give somebody else something else. Yeah. The same thing as Jesus did, you're going to give to the other. You know, Ben, I was just thinking, it's a lot easier for me to wear burlap and eat bone broth. Yeah. Then for me to go, when somebody's offended me, when somebody's spoken ill of me, what do I want to do? Poof! Right? But Jesus says, deny yourself. Submit your will to my will. Humble yourself for me. So when you do that and you hit me, because I have a higher calling, I say, fine, brother. <laughs> I know you used to box, brother. I No way I'm hitting you, buddy. No way. So Jesus says we're to deny ourselves, mm -hmm. but he also he says something kind of crazy. He says, take up your cross. Mm. We have these crazy people in America. There's just one man who walked across the, the whole United States with a cross. And I suppose God used it. He'll use anything. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. When he says, take up your cross, what is the Lord saying here? He has a gospel focus in mind. Taking up the cross is doing those things, those simple serving things to the other where nobody else would do. Could, Those, you, could you give me an example? You know, if you know the story of Pastor Wilkerson. Or David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson. Yes, yes, yes. Just look at what he did. He left his comfort and went to these places. What didn't happen to him? <laughs> Nikki Cruz slapped him. Was going to, whatever. That's taking your cross. The insults in the place of work. You're going to be rejected. Those rejections for which somebody takes a phone. Did you hear what the pastor said? He just said things. I don't like what the pastor just said just now. And all of that. And story. And all of that. All of that. Excuse me. You're going to have all of that. Take up your cross. Yeah. Do you respond to those? You know, I know. This is for you now. 
I know a man in Nigeria and his wife, and they're busy. They're really busy people. They, they're in charge of everything. And yet, part of taking up their cross is opening their home. And there's a steady stream of orphans. They don't, they don't go to the prep schools and get the, the kids that are, you know, the bright, shining kids. They go to the highways and the byways. They find the kids that are orphans. They find the kids that are crippled. They find the, find the kids who are, really have no hope at all. And they make space and time in their life. I know such a family. That's taking up your cross. That's a lot harder than parading around with a wooden cross where the TV cameras can take a picture of you. Amen. A lot harder than that. And I will tell you a brief story about that. I know our time is rushing on, but we need to get this down. You're an archbishop. There's no time. I know I'll get that, this down <laughs> to earth because when I came back from a trip from America, and you can imagine I've just been to America where everything works well, and I dump into my house and I see kids running all over the house. I'm talking about 18 little children, all below 12. And I thought they were going to go back home. So I said, I, I played with them. They just saw me. And they were jumping all <laughs> over the place. It was evening. And Gloria said, um, come and eat, come and eat. And we all came to eat. So I said, when are they going? She said, they're not going nowhere. I said, what do you mean? She said, they're our kids. I said, our what? She said, our <laughs> kids. Where are they going to live? She said, I just need some money. Buy me some mattresses. We'll put them all over the living room everywhere. They're going to just lie down here. What about their bathroom and toilet? And everything? don't worry about that. So I thought this was a joke. <laughs> then she said, eight of them are HIV positive oh. and AIDS. I said, in this house, and I have a six-year-old child of my own, that's not going to happen. I walked, and I was going upstairs. She said, Ben, I know you're not a wicked man. You're going to give me that money. These kids are ours. That was how it started. I wake up in the morning, as we usually do, 6 a.m., everybody comes for devotion. And this is the place for the devotion that has now become a bedroom of about 18 kids. And they had all weed on the floor. Oh, God. The stench. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. So I, we prayed, and every, this went on for days. I finally gave her money. She bought mattresses. Then I said, well, let's build some small dormitories for them, some hostel. And we did. That was my mistake. Then they became 32. <laughs> and then now 70 plus. Now, taking up your cross is is. Is any little sacrifice that you can do for Jesus to reach out to someone in need that they may also see the love of Jesus, unworthy though they are, because unworthy though I was, I have received grace. All of my life, all of my heart, I'm going to sing of the faithfulness of the Lord. Is it going to end in singing? No, it's the actual practice that means taking up the cross. I'm getting convicted because I can't speak for all y'all, but I know how my mind works. I'm like, oh, Ben and Gloria, they're special. God's made them special. They can do this. And, and you know, let's send them some money. Okay, we'll send them some money, but they can do it, but that's not really for us. But that's a lie. That's a lie. Speak to us, brother. Speak to us. You know, I spoke here many years ago in the U.S. and we're talking about missionaries. And I said, yes, there is a need for missionaries to Africa, mm -hmm. but there's also need for missionaries from Africa to America. 
And just in case you think missionaries from Africa who come to America are having it all good, they are not. Life here is difficult. Life there is also difficult. By the way, life everywhere is difficult. <laughs> we were speaking in Australia and Gloria had just spoken about her escape from death. And this pregnant woman was there and she went home the following day. We were having meals with them in the evening. And she told us the story of her -year, three-year-old son who was being dressed to go to school. And he had, she put on his tie and shirt and his shorts. And now he's just to put on his socks and his shoes. And he tried to put the socks and was in bed. And he says, Mommy. And mommy says, yes, what is it? Mommy, come. And she came. He said, Mommy, why is life so hard? I can't put my socks. <laughs> put on her socks. Life is hard. <laughs> and she said, Ben, I just listened to your story and listened to what this silly boy is saying. Life is hard everywhere. Folks, listen carefully. If we are going to face this world, we cannot face it without Jesus. The good news is, he's already taken the cross for us. So when we are called to take up the cross, we will never be able to take one millionth of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And there is no way we will take up our cross in this life that Jesus will not be there to take it up with us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Jesus walks with us through all the difficulties. Don't be afraid of the difficulties no more. Indeed, don't be afraid of the cross no more. Take it up. Take it up and walk through the streets. Let those who laugh at you laugh at you. Those who reject you, let them reject you. But take your cross, my friends. It's a joyful thing to take the cross of him who took the cross on my behalf. It's nothing. Suffering Defy it. Disgrace suffering. Suffering is nothing. What is suffering? Hmm. I feel like I'm following Michael Jordan at a basketball game. <laughs> but you know, Ben, so it, Christ says, let him deny himself, take up his cross. And then in the last one, we, we, we didn't get to. Because a lot of people deny myself, take up my cross. But it, ultimately, what is it about? Believe me, that's the most exciting one. I am not following doctrines. I am not following theology. I'm not following something unknown. I'm following Jesus who says, follow me. Amen. Following a person who was a human. Now I know he's my God, my savior. He demonstrated my salvation. Public news carried it. The story is written down. Mm. And credible witnesses testify I also testify because, brother, I was lost in Lagos. You don't know Lagos. There's 20 million people in Lagos right now. It's the next biggest city to Cairo in Africa. I was there. My mother looked for me a year and a half. They don't know where I was. Jesus fished me out. Hmm. And I'm standing here today. Till my mother died, she would look at me. She said, Benji, Benji, and she would just laugh. Because what Jesus did, nobody could do. To save me, I'm not following no man. I'm following Jesus. Amen. And we walk through that road with Jesus no matter what it takes. Because he will never leave you nor forsake you. So we're following me, Jesus. Woo! And Ben, that's exactly it. And we're going to land the ship here. We're going to land the, the plane here. Right. But uh, 
So in all this, he doesn't deny himself, take up your cross, and follow, follow Christ. Some people automatically go, oh, it's a big burden. It's actually, what's a burden is the opposite. When we don't deny ourselves, when we don't take up our cross, when we don't follow Christ, that is a burden. That is the time you take up politics. Right. Amen. <laughs> that is the time you take up, that is the time you take up racialism. Amen. That is the time you take up every rubbish that does not belong to the kingdom. Amen. That's the time you begin to see the differences between where you should not see differences. Yeah. That's the time you take up shit. That word's in the Bible. I know. But that's the time you take rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bishop, we'll edit that out, but don't. <laughs> yes, it was a translation issue. <laughs> but, Bishop, so the punchline, we'll end with verse 36. We'll end with verse 36. So it says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? That's a big thing, brother. You know, you know I, I can easily see it in other people. It's harder to see it in myself. We were down with my twin sister recently. We were down in a Jupiter Island, Florida, and I saw these boats. I don't even know how many millions they cost, 50 million, 60 million, these yachts. And I just looked and I went, do these people know the Lord? Has anybody even shared the gospel with them? Or are they just busying themselves with toys that will never love them, will never bring them the shalom of God, will never unite them to the Heavenly Father? But Jesus makes a promise. If we deny ourselves, we take up our cross and follow him, that actually is life. It's not a burden. This is what money cannot buy. When you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, your life, Paul says, is hid in Christ, in God, where money cannot buy. Your soul is not sellable. Mm. It's not buyable. If we get to know that, then we get to understand what we do in this life with what God has given to us. Then priorities will be fixed correctly. Expenses will be fixed correctly. And what we do with our time will also be fixed correctly. What is it a profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so the call today is to realize that maybe we've been lied to. Maybe we've even lied to ourselves. That we think by not denying ourselves, by not taking up our cross, not being concerned about the king and the kingdom, that we'll actually find life. But you know what, Ben? That is a lie. It's not true. And so Jesus is not calling us to a burden. He's calling us to, to throw our burdens on him and experience freedom yes, and to see the kingdom grow. Amen. And Amen. so we close. What will a man uh, profit? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Could we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Amen. That we might open our hands and say, Lord, anything that, that we're doing that is not your way and not your will, search us and try us. Amen. Remove those things. Let us experience the joy of walking in your way, the way of the cross. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.